When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 12th. And yes, we are going to talk about baseball. I'm going to go over the list today. I know we don't have an OTC this week, so I figured this would be a good way for me to kind of just uh, go after it with uh, with the list. Also, uh, I got some reports on Reddit that there are these ads that are really annoying on mobile, and I just checked it myself, and some pop-up stuff, and it's scrolling to the top. Absolutely not at all what we want. It's just supposed to be normal, like there's a banner ad, and there's some inter-content ads, and that's it. So I've already reached out to our ad provider. Hopefully that gets resolved um, in the future. Whenever this stuff kind of happens, please just send me a DM on Twitter. I hope you guys know I will never want that to happen. Um, That is just a bad experience for you, which means that it's just a bad experience for us. So please, please let me know when that stuff happens in the future because we absolutely do not want those things to exist. All right. Uh, I'm going to breeze through this more so than I do in the OTC with Fast. So like first tier, not much really has changed. And uh, I've opened it up again because I feel like Castillo, Gosman, Otani, and Gallon deserve that. There you go. Um, Scherzer, Joe Ryan, and Valdez are in the next one. Again, nothing really to report there. Um, in the third tier... I actually was really thinking about Joe Musgrove getting the Aces going to ace tag, and uh, I went against it because I really do want to see more consistency, just a couple more starts of maybe one or two of that curveball and slider just being this good. It was really good. I want to get excited about that, but just let me wait one or two more before then, Um, and no, this isn't because I traded him away. I am very happy to see him soar. And um, it's all good. Uh, Carl Zerdan is at 11, and I think some are thinking that's too high. Uh, honestly, what I saw from his debut was exactly what I wanted. I know it was just two strikeouts for Carlos Rodon, but the skill set was very good. And I think it's just going to get better moving on. While everyone else in Tier 3 has their warts, uh, Tyler Glasnow is not consistent. Um, Zach Wheeler is not really that great with his secondaries at the moment, even though it's a really good uh, four-seamer combination. George Kirby does not have the strikeout upside that Carlos Rodon has. Blake Snell is doing so well, but is that going to last the rest of the year? And so on and so forth. Corbin Burns... Uh, cutters and up and down and Pablo Lopez is looking great, but I think that Carlos Rodon to me is now that he's pitching and looks like himself for the most part. Yeah, he should be up at 11. Um, Jesus Lazard has been on a fantastic run in the last four starts with 200 runs only in those four games. And he's likely on pace for over on what 210 strikeouts, something like that, which is absolutely insane. Uh, so yeah, he moves up to 18, which is great. Justin Verlander fell down to 19. And I actually even was tempted to put him into tier four, but I eventually settled on tier three. The reason for that is I think that Justin Verlander just is not a 25% strikeout guy. So I think of him like in, in George Kirby and I see George Kirby and I think, okay, there is more, I think, possibility of him, A, keeping the ratios and B, developing something else to become more of a strikeout guy. While Verlander to me is, is solid and good. It's just, it's not the same guy that he used to be. I think we just got to accept that and uh, be happy that we have him. But there's also injury history and uh, he's old and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's just a little bit more dings against him. Um, I put him down to 19. And there's James Paxton, who has been amazing. And you start him anytime he does, but he's hurt 
often, and uh, we need to recognize that it's not a high chance that he is healthy the rest of the way relative to everyone else. Uh, tier four is all of your, hey, these are names that should be aces, but none of them are at the moment. Some are looking like them, but maybe not. Uh, we have Sandy Alcantara um, at 21. I'm very much a believer of the second half. We've actually seen him perform better over his last four starts. And it's just really about that change of command um, getting locked into place, and I think it will, and he'll soar when it does. Lucas Giolito hasn't actually been at his peak, but he's just been so consistently good for you that he deserves a spot. Julio Urias was better in his last start. That's really good to see. The command was there. I do wonder how the Dodgers are going to use him, at least in the short term, uh, have a little bit of a shorter leash. Logan Webb has been fantastic with his changeup. I do think, though, that these 10, 12 strikeout games are going to fall down a bit once again, and it'll be more like him just being a 21, 22% strikeout rate, but it's all been very, very good. Uh, Aaron Nola at 25, he's just too volatile with his command, and it's driving me insane, and I just got to recognize like that that's just what it is right now. And that's okay, but that's just what it is. So he's here at 25. Uh, Logan Gilbert did do better with his Carbona slider, but the the fastball and the splitter are still kind of lagging behind a little bit. And when he's able to really put all four pitches together, he could be amazing. It's just, I don't really think we're going to see that this year. And then there's Freddie Peralta, who in some ways could be higher up on this and other ways lower because he just hasn't really had that stretch of just pure dominance. The walk rates are a little higher and... Uh, with those high walk rates in the past, he's been able to be okay with it, but right now it's kind of beating him up a little bit. But the velocity is there, the the four seam reaction is there, the uh, the breaking stuff is generally there as well. Uh, tier five is pretty much by the book in my view. Um, I, I realize that like Justin Steele and Tyler Wells and Zach Eflin are pretty much all kind of being the same thing. Of uh, they will have some moments, but they will just be steady rocks for you. But we don't really expect any of them to be a true ace. So here they are in tier five. Uh, you Darvish is volatile, but generally volatile in your favor. And I think also what I like seeing is that he is experimenting more. He's not just kind of doing the same thing and being volatile. He's actually saying, maybe I'll throw a lot of curveballs today and maybe I'll throw more sliders today. And and he's actually going to figure this out. I really do think we're going to see a really nice run at some point um, from you Darvish in the second half. So he stays here. Um, Bailey Ober has like the six innings of one and run and seven base runners. This is ba- the Bailey special. And he's just been so consistently good for you. And I had to put him here. While Mitch Keller, I, I debated putting him in tier six because it's kind of like a figure it out situation. But I don't think he's fallen off so hard that Mitch Keller now deserves that label. So I put him at the end of 33 as if you have Mitch Keller, you're starting him and you're just hoping for the best. Also, you don't really want to grade a, uh, a bad outing against the Dodgers. And I understand that. So he had five walks last time, which is very strange, but I think he's better than that. Uh, in tier six is your, okay, uh, we all know this is dope and they should be fantastic, but also what is going on? It's pretty much all these young guys in Dylan C's. So Dylan C's at the top. Uh, we all know that the strikeout potential is there and we know what kind of runs he can have, but also he is still volatile. He has these games where the slider is just so great. And then it just kind of isn't, um, Hunter Brown is, uh, is not there with his repertoire yet. And it's very, very annoying. Uh, but he has really good stuff, and I feel like on a given night, just Hunter Brown's going to do the thing, and the more time he gets, he's going to figure out exactly how to utilize his fastballs. Is it low for called strikes? Is it high for whiffs? Is it a mix of the two? And really getting that slider and curveball down, I think that's very much in the cards this season, not next year for Hunter Brown. Same kind of thing with Bobby Miller. The four-seamer, or really the sinker, whatever you want to call the heater at 100 miles per hour, is so good. 
And I love leaning on these. It's not the Bryce Miller four-seamer because that's one that's just overwhelming you at the top of the zone. This is one that Bobby Miller really commands well inside the righties to create so many weak uh, balls in play. And then it's really a question of the slider, curveball, and changeup. So the thing that I was overranking why I brought him down 12 spots here is that the curve and change have not been as consistent as I thought they would be. And I kind of brushed them aside before expecting him to return and they just haven't. Uh, the slider also had that 11 whiff game and he hasn't really replicated that with the slider. He's been tugging them too far out of the zone um, glove side. And I feel like he should just throw more strikes with them and not really worry about being perfect out of the zone. But it's there. I, I really think that these are tweaks to be made and not just, oh no, he's a Tristan McKenzie and we don't really know where the slider is going to go and that's that. No, this is actually something where I think there's going to be adjustments made in the second half. So I'm still in there. Bryce Miller, um, I saw a report that uh, Bryce Miller will return at the end of the rotation um, after the Elsa break. And that's why Roster Resource had it on the probable grid. I was like, well, this is weird. And I went to it and I was like, oh, I found the source. Great. Awesome. And so he's back at 37. Andrew Rabbit and Reed Demers honestly haven't moved. Because Reed Demerson had a terrible start against the Diders where the slider command wasn't as good. And I'm not really going to grade him for that. I still think he's the same thing. While Andrew Abbott, uh, while he wasn't uh, great, he was terrible against the Brewers. I kind of already had that ranked, expecting some sort of regression from Andrew Abbott, right? So that's not really anything different in my eyes. And not to mention, yeah, he didn't get uh, good luck there. Okay, so should I really be saying that this is who he is now? No, it's not. He's somewhere in between, and that's where I had him ranked before. Uh, Sonny Gray, Brian Bayo, and Jose Brios are starting off the next tier, and I'll talk about all of those and everyone else on the list after this break. Are you ready to step up to the plate and show off your fantasy baseball skills? Check out Underdog's Fantasy 7th Inning Stretch Tournament from now through July 14th, where you can build your dream team and compete against your friends for the $150,000 in total prizes. So what are you waiting for? Visit the link in the episode description and use promo code PITCHERLIST to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. Join us in the seventh inning stretch tournament and experience the thrill of fantasy baseball like never before on Underdog. Good luck and may the best team win. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 and older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncp.com gambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. So Tier 7 has Sonny Gray, Brian Bayo, Jose Barrios. Uh, yeah, I mean, those guys are just kind of, you have them, you're starting them. You don't feel necessarily great about it. I think Bayo is exciting, but it's sinker changeup, so... And the the uh, the four seamer inside are not quite what we want it to be. Maybe the four seamer is not bad, but it's not. I feel like I need to see more for me to really believe it. While Barrios is just kind of doing his thing and whatever, we keep going. And Sunny Gray is oscillating, but I think he's on the upturn, so that's good. Even all these at forty three because I just don't know what to do with that velocity information. Uh, he's been ninety four essentially for three of his last four starts, including his last one at ninety four point one. And uh, I just worry that this is a big health issue. Uh, Derek Schoolbull is here because I love his four-seamer command. He's two ticks higher. He does need to polish his secondary stuff, but that's cool. And Brian Wu would be higher in the next tier, um, if not even arguably like in tier five, but he's going to be shut down. Uh, we know this. Uh, it was hunt- hinted by the Mariners. I don't know how. My guess is that sometime in uh, post-All-Star break that he goes down to the minors for like a good couple weeks, but should be back for September. So right now we just kind of 
hold and wait and then make a decision after because it's really we're getting really close to the point of um of the cliff anyway in tier seven so i wouldn't be proactive and big brain this i would just hold on to woo and kind of make your decisions as you go but kenta maeda is right there too um where i really just like where kenta maeda is at he could just stay here the rest of the way and that's fine braxton garrett and marcus stroman and chris bassett are also at the bottom of this i think they're in situations where you just kind of hold them and and deal with it um, and they're good. They're better than your standard Toby. Now, Lance Lynn uh, leads off tier eight, which is all your cherry bombs of like, what are we supposed to do? And there, there was some pushback on Reddit. I just saw really quickly. The first thing was about Taj Bradley. Um, and I understand that. Well, I'll get to him in a second, but like Lance Lynn, Charlie Morton, it's just, you start him, I guess. They're hipsters, headache inducing pitchers, start feeling the entire roster. We're like, they are good. And you're like, oh man, I obviously should be doing this. And then you just don't really know what you're going to get the next time. So they are pinnacles of cherry bombs. Um, Christian Javier obviously is not doing the things that we want him to do at the moment. It's a situation where he's right at the cliff I was just talking about, and he might as well just kind of stash him for at least another week or two and see how this plays out, because if Javier does click back in, I mean, that's just obviously amazing. I have not been giving enough credit to Kodai Senga. He was my featured pitcher today because he got a 21-point boost, because I really didn't recognize that he had 113 strikeouts thus far. That's huge. That honestly is something I uh, I underrated because I saw the 128 whip and really just knew every single game. It was just kind of frustrating. There's always a dusty donut to it. He was also really dependent on that fork ball, and that's a very inconsistent thing. And I just kind of was like, will he, won't we? But at the same time, he's just constantly giving you strikeouts, and that is something I was not ranking enough before. He's at 53, though. He's not up like in the 30s. I'm saying, yeah, he's part of this cherry bomb. Like, okay, I guess we do this kind of tier, and he belongs there. Um, Taj Bradley, Gavin Williams, and Tanner Bybee are all really similar to me. Same with Shane Bieber and Jack Flaherty. And really the short story here is all of them have good strikeout upside. All of them. Um, Taj Bradley has the highest, so he's at the top of it. Um, but you just don't know what the command is going to be on a given day. Uh, Taj Bradley, Gavin Williams, and Tanner Bybee, I think have the highest chance of really clicking in in the second half of figuring something out. Probably Bybee the lowest of those. While Shane Bieber, maybe the curveball and slider actually do come back. And for Jack Flaherty, he's actually been kind of, I don't know, a little bit less volatile than the others. So I have him above Bybee because I don't really buy that Bybee is going to, so I guess Selby, um, that he's going to really fine-tune his repertoire enough this year. Um, that's all there. And same kind of with Taj Bradley. Think of him as like a cheaper Tyler Glasnow in a way. Um, tier 9 is the Toby tier. And leads with Eduardo Rodriguez, despite doing really poorly against the Athletics. Like, yeah, it's a still ill. Normally, we don't really see good performances in that first one. And especially from a guy who is very feel-focused. Uh, what Eduardo Rodriguez was doing at the beginning of the year was very much about his command and being able to locate everything exactly right. And he just missed a lot of time. And here he is coming back. It's going to take a second or two to get there, but I think he will. Uh, Emmett Sheehan is very much a Toby. Same with Seth Lugo. Bryce Elder, we're going to give another chance because it was the raise, but then again, it was four walks and zero Ks, and maybe that really was the Vargas rule ending at that point. Keep that in mind. Uh, I could move up Alex Cobb, and I want to see one more start of that slider actually existing because he actually has survived with the slider taking place of the splitter when the splitter wasn't getting a ton of whiffs, and that's really cool. I kind of want to see another start and see what happens, but for the rest of this is pretty straightforward. I mean, you have Jordan Montgomery at 68, and he probably would be at the top of the tier, I mean, if it weren't for the hamstring injury where I just don't know if he's okay. I mean, Ross Resource says he's going to go on Saturday, but I've heard no news about his health. So um, that volatility changes things a little. And Tony Gonsolin, I know everyone's a little upset about him because he just did poorly. But, I, uh, you know, this is the, the luck going the other way. And he's somewhere in between. Well, that's just kind of how it works with Gonsolin. And in Tier 10... 
we have more cherry bombs. These are the, there's another tier of a little mini one later on. But Kikuchi and John Gray, to me, are, well, I mean, Kikuchi, he has a new approach. I really like it, but it's not perfection. I mean, the curveball gets hung a ton. It was laced. And the fastball needs to be better commanded. And the ceiling of Kikuchi isn't so high. So it was, it's been a nice run, and you might still want to go with that. So that's why he's at the top of the tier. John Gray, I think, is one over time. He's kind of like a stash play at the moment. Because the fastball is not well commanded recently. After the he had this amazing rhythm, then he got disrupted. And he really hasn't been back to the same place. But the slider is still very good. So there is something there. It's just, will he get back into rhythm? That's kind of the whole thing of John Gray. He goes like these month-long stretches one way or another. Griffin Canning does have really good secondaries. He just got bamboozled by the, the Dodgers, understandably so. But I think when good matchups happen, you start Griffin Canning. Same thing with Domingo Herman or even Kyle Bradish. Um... And also, I do want to emphasize here that Steven Matz, I kind of just skipped over here. Uh, Steven Matz did something really, really cool in his last outing uh, where he threw harder with the sinker and he looked really, really good. And he jumps in at 70 right above Kikuchi. Um, I, I, I dig this. I think, honestly, you should be grabbing Matz and just kind of seeing what happens. Uh, that is something that has gone under the radar. Everyone's kind of just given up on him. But you forget that like a lot of people were really excited about Steven Matz entering last year for the, the Cardinals, and he's been kind of hurt and everything. He finally had the start of really good velocity and getting everything for strikes, and it's just, oh, maybe that's actually a real thing. So I think among all of these in the short term, that is the most interesting. There's also Mackenzie Gore, and we just do not know what Mackenzie Gore is going to do uh, with everything. This stuff is so good, and it should be better, but it's just, yeah, you don't know what to do. Uh, in the Tier 11, it's a lot of t- uh, Tobies. So you have uh, Wade Miley, who's throwing harder, by the way. It's two ticks harder on the changeup and the um, and the cutter, I believe it is. But that's really cool, and I don't know if we should buy it because like it's still. I guess it's like, it must be the cutter and the four seamer or sinker, because um, I know he didn't throw too many changeups in his last start. But anyway, velocity is up. But Wade Miley is still throwing like ninety two and change, right? <laughs> it's just not eighty nine. Um, there might be something there. I still think it's matchup dependent, though. Same as Aaron Savali doing the 70% cutter and curveball thing, which is exactly what I want him to do. That's wonderful. Christopher Sanchez jumps up 20 spots because he came through in in a tough matchup, and it's a really good changeup. I think I was underrating how good that changeup was. He does feel like a lefty that just kind of throws sinkers in the zone and has his changeup and then a slider, but this might work out. might be kind of like a Ranger Suarez-esque thing. He's going to get a lot of comps to that, I'm sure if he continues to do well in the second half. Tommy Henry had a good outing, I guess. He survived six innings with four walks and two Ks because he didn't throw sliders. And I don't know why they did well result-wise. I don't know. That was weird. Throw more sliders, Tommy Tommy Henry. I don't don't understand. Dean Kramer and JP Sears are both here. Uh, I have Kramer above Sears. I don't know. I, I... in some ways, I want to say that Sears is better, but also I recognize that maybe there's something here about, about Dean Kramer and the four-seamer whiffs and his cutter placements lately. I feel like it's slightly better to go and chase that on a winning club than it is Sears on a losing club, where it's kind of like, is he going to spot his fastball and slider well? Good. He gets lots of whiffs now, you know? In tier 12, I have this small mini tier of just like ridiculous cherry bombs. Um, Andrew Heaney's at the bottom of it because it's like, what do we do? Some days he's going to have that slider down and fastballs up, but like, I don't want to go with that, you know? So he's all the way at 85, arguably could be off the list if I wanted him to be. But then I had to give a little tier just for Severino and Manoa. And Severino, I do not think is good right now. Um, I think that there needs to be some tweak or something like that. So this is just a stash play. And Alec Manoa had that amazing eight, uh, sorry, six innings, eight Ks and zero walks. But if you watch my YouTube video, which you absolutely should, 
Um, really, that is that is a very very important video for you guys to watch. That will comp- I, I think that is the best example that I can give of showcasing what it means to face a bad offense. Why we say that the chances are better of success against poor teams. This is the prime example is this one of Alec Manoa. Definitely check that out, but I'm not quite buying um, what Manoa is doing right now. Uh, then in tier 13, it's Reese Olsen, uh, Kyle Gibson. Reese Olsen's pretty cool, but it's just, we haven't seen enough of it. So he's at the, at the top of this tier. But honestly, I might I might just shove Reese Olsen by next Tuesday uh, when I do the list again um, into tier 10. I don't know. Might happen. Um and that would be like right next to Mackenzie Gore, because I think there is something there with the changeup, which can get a ton of whistles. It's very filthy when he executes it, and then a good slider that he leaned into a lot recently, and fastballs that can go inside and jam right-handers. So it's pretty cool. Um, but then there's a lot of volatility in there, too. Um, Kyle Gibson just had a golden goal, but who knows? Uh, Ranger Suarez, I think, hit the wall. Um, Clark Schmidt, Martin Perez. I mean, there's nothing really too interesting here. There is Jose Quintana returning to the list as he's expected to return uh, post-All-Star break. And the thing about Quintana was that he had success when he had his command, that is four seamers up and curveballs down and changeups down, right? And really, really good pitch separation. Returning from such a long stint and also in rehab, he didn't do well in his last one, kind of tells me that he's not there. So monitor it, but don't go off and chase Quintana blindly. Um, and last but not least, I'll focus on, I mean, there's Nick Pavetta here, which is hilarious. Uh, Alex Wood had five good innings. We had Jake Irvin experimenting with curveballs this week, which is cool because he's still having the velocity that's increased on his fastball. It's great. But then there's Luis Medina at 100. And why is he back at 100? Well, because he threw a ton of sliders and they were super successful as he was open for. And he had nine strikeouts that game. And wait a second, like you got 18 whiffs on the start? What? Luis Medina? You don't know who that is. He's on the athletics. He's only like a quality star guy. I used to compare him as Frankie Montes without the splitter, which meant that he didn't get whips. So if that's real, there might be something there. It still breaks the Wasker and Noe rule of like having a one really good pitch that is your slider and not a really good second one. But maybe the uh, the fastballs are good enough. They're not really that detrimental. I don't know. Something to consider there, at least to monitor. But all right, that is it. Uh, see, I can do the OTC in 23 minutes. No problem. I don't need you fast. No, I I miss Alex fast terribly. Um, But that is it for today. Thanks so much for all your support. And uh, I'll be in the cape until next week. So it might be a little weird. I don't know exactly when I'm going to do the list next week. It might be Monday. It might be Tuesday. I don't know quite yet. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babas be low and your strikeouts high.